Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Happy Tuesday, everybody. It is November 28th, 2023. He is intern Joe. I'm Mike Yuvin. As we get into the off-season mode, because South Carolina, they try to keep it rolling in November, right? A November to remember, but unfortunately, they forgot. They forgot to be able to score some points to be able to keep up with the Tigers. And, you know, honestly, all jokes aside, it kind of sums up the season for South Carolina, right? Mm-hmm. Where things were good in certain areas throughout the season, but when you needed all three phases, all three phases to come together, it wasn't the case this past weekend against Clemson. It wasn't the case against Florida, right? We can look at certain games throughout the season. It was not the case for this team in 2023. If you have any thoughts on this past weekend's game against Clemson or any thoughts on the season that was, or as we look ahead to the off season, and start to prepare for the 2024 season. Let us know. Let us know what is on your mind because everything is on the table. And if you're new to this, we keep GC Live rolling in the offseason. I believe, intern Joe and I will talk about this, but I think we will move these shows up as you're seeing tonight, 6 o'clock, try to give you guys an opportunity to watch the men and women's teams this winter as basketball season is here. Men's team, of course, is a big game tonight, but we will keep the football talk rolling all offseason and into next season because when it comes to football, it's a year-round sport in South Carolina. But especially when you're talking about the transfer portal, signing day, all that other stuff that's going to be coming up these next couple weeks. Having said all that, intern Joe, no press conference today. No press conference today. Season's done. So how we're going to do this each week now especially with this past weekend's game. I'm just going to let you lead off with just your overall thoughts Um, after having a chance to really think about not just the game this past weekend, but the season as a whole as we we head into this new week, a week that does not have football now for the Gamecocks. 
Yeah, Mike, I mean, it's a rough way to go out. Like I said on my podcast, um, you know, I, obviously my full thoughts on the, the game broke it all down, what went well, what didn't, all of that on the walkthrough. But um, after having some time to, you know, kind of, I guess, sit with it, if you will, um, yeah, it's just a, not the best way to end your season. Where you go from here is, you know, you take take your lumps, you know, you go into the off season and know you need to make some changes one way or another, schematically, internally, whatever that may be. Um, you know, you need to tune something up. Um, you want to make sure that you send off the guys who are going on to the NFL draft. You want to send them off well, have a good pro day for them. They represent your program after they go on. Um, so that's going to be a big thing to watch. I, I would assume Spencer Rattler will be working out and whatnot at, at pro day. So that'll be a good thing to watch some off season um, headlines with that, see where those guys end up in the draft and whatnot for that. But like I said, Mike, um, just really awful gutting way to end your season at home in front of your own fans where your defense who had been struggling all year, didn't allow an offensive touchdown um, and your offense, which had been clicking all year, goes two of 13 on third down um, that doesn't win you many football games and just kind of the stalemate that it was just really didn't you know help any any bit and then obviously on the post game show for those of you that saw that um, Clemson did the same thing Carolina did you know after after the game taking pictures and whatnot uh, it would sting I could see it live um, you know I could tell Garrett and, and Scar you know it certainly had a nerve seeing that just like as the athlete and the competitor and yeah then, um you know, hitting the nerve there, but yeah, it's, it's going to sting. You have, obviously you're, you're always going to have a crack at Clemson. So you're always going to have a chance to avenge it. There's a lot of young players on this team that mm -hmm. have stepped up throughout this year. Um, So they, they saw that they know how this feels and to lose a game that you very well could have won too. Um, you know, that, I mean, to me, at least when I was, you know, playing football, basketball, whatever it was losing a close game that, you know, you should have won stings a lot more than getting blown out. Um, so I, you know, a lot of young guys, they're going to rebuild. Um, they've got a full off season to kind of just reset and go into next year, figure out who's playing, what transfer portal will be interesting, what they want to look for and try to balance out that recruiting class. Um, but yeah, Mike, the, not, not the way you want to end the 2023 campaign. That is for sure. I think my thoughts, just looking back on this past weekend and just how it sums up just the season, right? That week one game against North Carolina, how much did we talk about the offensive line? How much did we talk about the offensive line even going back to spring ball last year? You and I on this very program last December following the Gator Bowl and everything that transpired throughout the course of the season with the injuries, we knew heading into this year that they were going to be very thin on the offensive line when it came to experience. And it even got even thinner after Jalen Nichols went down in the spring game in April of this past year. So I bring those things up because you are already paper thin at certain positions. Offensive line is what stands out the most. You were paper thin at the running back position. You were paper thin at linebacker. And we, we just keep going down the list. When I say paper thin, I'm talking about from a lack of proven depth standpoint. And this team this season as a whole, very young team, very, very young team. And when you add in the injuries, it was just a recipe for disaster. Now, as we've always said before on this program, there's a difference between calling it for what it is versus making an excuse, right? That's the reality of it. Now, having said all that, this is an offensive line heading into this Clemson game that was able to be as healthy as they've been in quite some time. Certainly, Trey Jones was still out. But yep. as a whole, they were as healthy, in Case and Henry as well, but they were as healthy as they had been in quite some time. Mm -hmm. They were able to develop a rapport over the last couple games of the season by being able to play with the same unit. Going up against Clemson, as we mentioned, heading into last week, you knew it was going to be a challenge simply because of the fact of the front seven that you were facing was arguably the second best that you've faced all season. Right behind CNM. So I bring that up because you already knew there was going to be a challenge heading into that. I bring these things up because, again, the issues that we knew was going to face South Carolina's offense, even though they were able to kind of put some duct tape on it, right? They were able to make things worse or work. 
but they weren't able to get past it ultimately, right? The old saying, you can put lipstick on a pig. Still a pig at the end of the day. So with South Carolina's offensive line, they have a lot of young, talented guys that got experience this year. They have a talented recruiting class this year. And you look at some of the offensive line position spots as well, combined with the guys that are coming back next year. Now, this is obviously all assuming that you're going to be able to retain all these players, which I would assume, especially with the offensive line, they're going to be okay with. But my whole point is that is where it starts for USC. Everything that we talked about last offseason, the biggest concern, and I get people worried about the running back position. I get that. I understand that. And I would be naive to say that I expected Mario Anderson to do the things that he did this season. He was phenomenal. He was phenomenal. He was great. And if Mario decides to come back next season, that's going to be a fun – That's going. it starts with him. And then we can keep going on down, right? Juju McDowell, how does he look when he comes back? Braswell, we got a taste of that this season with the speed. Matthew Fuller coming out of Georgia. He'll be a true freshman next season. He's had an incredible, incredible season. I believe he's actually shot up to number 11 on on threes mm-hmm. for running backs. So I bring these things up, and that's just the guys that are on scholarship. Never mind the fact that they're still trying to go after Daniel Hill. But I bring these things up because, yes, in a perfect world, you would have loved to see South Carolina improve from last season from a win-loss standpoint. No question about that. The reality is they were a 5-7 and seven team, okay? And there's a lot of areas. I mean, we're not going to sh- – you don't have to sugarcoat it. There's a lot of areas they need to clean things up at. Having said that, though, when you try to find the good – which is very difficult to do right now, especially since it's less than a week since they play their last game and they're not going bowling. The fact that they had to play so many young players because of all the crap that they dealt with this season, you hope that that can help you next season. Because guess what? And some of you already know this, Joe. We've talked about this before too. The season next year, from a schedule standpoint, it does not get any easier. It does not get any easier. And when I look at the quarterback position, which I talked about today on Gamecock Central, and we'll get into that in a little bit, even if you do have Sellers as your week one starter, even if you do have Sellers as your week one starter, there's a possibility you might lose a player or two in that quarterback room. And I'm not even talking about Rattler. So the lack of experience in that room scares me a little bit. Simply because, and this fan base should know better than anyone, go back to 2021, all you are is one player away from being hurt. And we could say that about any position, but when you look at that quarterback room and you think back in 2021, how USC was literally going through QBs because of how banged up they were to the point you had a frigging gra- a student, a grad student helping out, and he ended up suiting up in Zeb Nolan. Zeb Nolan. You need to go out into the portal and you'll have to add someone to that quarterback room most likely to create more depth and to create more competition in that room, regardless regardless if Sellers is the guy, you need to be able to add more competition. Reno will be coming in. But I say these things because you, you lose out on the opportunity to have those 15 extra practices. And to me, more importantly than anything else, right? we could talk about the 5-7, and seven, whether they were 5-7 and seven or 6-6. Six and six. To me, it, it doesn't really change too much other than the fact that you're going to a bowl game. But I'm talking from a win-loss standpoint. Put the bowl game aside. Five and six, six and six. I think we all agree that it would have been a step back this season. But missing out on the opportunity to have those 15 extra practices when your team is going to be so young still at a lot of key areas, starting with quarterback, that what's, that's what worries me the most. That's what worries me the most, Joe. Yeah, Mike, you talked about a lot there, and I have points for just about everything that you said. I'm glad you brought up the offensive line. Because, yes, it was kind of a a tag team tandem group. As good as the guys that they brought in are, it's really hard to get things going. They ran into a massive front seven of Clemson. I I mean, Mike, you said top two, top three. I would say, yeah, up there with Georgia, Tennessee, Texas A&M. I mean, Clemson's front seven was really good and won them the football game. I wasn't as impressed with the DBs. The DBs could still kind of run with Carolina's guys. But that wasn't the strength of the defense. The strength of their defense was the front seven. Hurrying Spencer, I think, 
28 times, something like that. Mm -hmm. um, the numbers were pretty good for Clemson um, defensively. Um, and I think that's, I mean, what won them the game. What should excite Carolina fans, what I talked about in the Optimism Shade segment of my show, was that you have the great wall of Carolina forming, right? Tree, Babalade, and um, Trovon Baugh have both had a great season stepping up in really early on in the season, I think is also big because in the sec at the offensive line position, you just need to play, play a lot, see the game. I mean, it's different in practice and granted like guys, it'll take guys a little bit to adjust to practice, but once you get in the game and, and start stepping up, um, you learn to just grow with the game. And so I think that's important. And then tree and Tro will also help usher in Josiah Thompson and Cam Pringle. So that's something to watch out for. Those guys have experience. They'll also still be young, and I would assume they're going to go try to go get another veteran offensive lineman mm -hmm. to bring the, the the underclassmen in as a whole. Obviously, Tree and Tro have seen the game action. Um, Daniel Hill will hopefully be a, a big contribution to the running back room, um, as you mentioned, Mike. Can I add something about that, Joe? Because some people may have missed this. So last week it was reported by our very own Chad Simmons of um, On3 that Daniel Hill was going to be taking a visit. At the last minute, at the last minute, Hill decided not to come to South Carolina for the game this past weekend. Okay? So I bring that up because some people, I, I've seen them ask, hey, have we heard any word on Hill's visit, how we thought about it, this and that. Hill didn't show up. Hill didn't come. So the reason I bring that up is, should that alarm people? I mean, certainly you would have felt better about your status with the young man if he was on campus for the game. But if you've been following the story closely, going back to, I'd say especially around that time in August, weeks before leading up to his signing day, but especially in that month as a whole, that this shouldn't have surprised you. And I still feel like South Carolina is in a very good spot. So I just wanted to throw that in there because some people may have missed that, Joe. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, that whole situation is ongoing. You have a running back in the class, like you mentioned. Um, but the Great Wall of Carolina, that whole thing with Josiah Thompson, Cam Pringle, something to be excited about. And then, obviously, the quarterback battle. My my Lenore Sellers take, it's quick, it's easy. Um, Lenore Sellers is proving to us that he can dominate amongst the twos, right? So what does that tell us? It means that he deserves a shot with the ones. He's going to see it in training camp, um, and we'll see, I would assume, um, he would be the, the leading guy, but obviously you're going to give Luke Doty a shot. Um, but yeah, so we'll see. Uh, and you brought up the bowl practices as well. You know, it, it stinks for the 2024s that are going to enroll early. Um, Dante Reno being one of those guys, being able to practice with those guys. I think we saw the development with Pup Howard, um, you know, in last year's the Gator Bowl practices. I think Pup really benefited from that. Being able to practice was kind of moving around. Um, you know, the media certainly seemed to take after, you know, his uh, – being at practice was certainly noticeable at practice. Um, so I think that's a very beneficial thing and something that they're missing out on not going to a bowl. Let's look at some of these questions and I'll answer this one yeah. big red because there's a couple questions about the offensive line and I like it. We just saw Craig's comment saying he likes Ba and Anderson at guard next year. One thing that we will get into a little bit more, but I want to mention this and I actually put a tweet out last night. Some of you may have seen it, but, um, and I also commented it on, um, the insider forum during the game. There was information that I learned prior to kickoff against Clemson regarding Nick Gargiulo, and I put that out there. But I will say this, Gargiulo, there is the possibility of him coming back next season. I've been told that that's something that he's going to be having extensive conversations. They already have started, but he's going to have extensive conversations with his family and the coaching staff to figure out what's in the best interest for him as he looks forward to his future, whether that be at South Carolina or if he wants to enter the draft next season. So having said all that, though, as far as the offensive line and looking at some of the future guys, right? You're looking at Franks, Cam Pringle, Isaiah, Isaiah Thompson. Pringle is as locked in as one could be. He is as locked in as ever. Had an opportunity to see him this past weekend. That guy is as fired up to be a Gamecock as Dante Reno and any of those other guys that you can mention. Go back to last year, Pop Howard, right? Just the guys that are just dying to get on campus and begin their careers as Gamecocks. Yep. As far as Thompson goes, I know that there's been rumbles, that there could be a possibility of someone trying to come in and take him. I don't think that's going to happen. I think that he still really likes where he's at right now with South Carolina, likes what's going on here. 
as well as Franks too. So I think all three of those guys, I think you're looking really good in terms of being able to get their official commitment. Now, that can't happen until, oh, I'd say what? We're about just over three weeks away. Just over three weeks away. It's December 20th. So that Wednesday is when National Signing Day is for the first signing period for football. So nothing can be official until then. Now, there's obviously some other dates leading up to that point, one of which, and we'll get into it in just a little bit, uh, we're going to be talking about the portal opening up. And as I've mentioned before in the past on Gamecock Central, because this confuses some people, you're already seeing some players enter the portal. Now, the portal doesn't officially open until the 4th. Having said that, though, just like we've seen with NIL, just like we've seen with, shoot, pre-NIL, there's always a gray area, right? It's not as simple as black and white, and that's why some of these players are popping up that aren't only grad students. Grad students can enter as soon as they want, but there's also other players who aren't grad students who have been appearing in the portal for FBS, and FCS started to really open up, I'd say, a week ago when a lot of those teams didn't make the playoffs. I've, I've seen Holy Cross, a lot of teams from the Patriot League, we're seeing Ivy League players, a Harvard player from a tight end. Actually, Harvard just got offered from South Carolina, I believe. I think that's what Chris put out last night, our colleague Chris Clark. So that's why you're seeing some of that stuff. But I want to explain that because, again, some people get confused. Wait a minute, portal's opening up on the 4th. Why are we seeing all that right now? Because it's not as simple as black and white. There's a little gray area in there as well. Um, Steven asks about the offensive line. With what we have on the O-line coming back and what is coming back, how does it look for the O-line in the depth? I'll get into the O-line a little bit deeper because I'm going to just kind of scratch the surface of this. I want to talk about quarterbacks in a little bit because I just hit on that today on Gamecock Central. I'm doing a early preview for every position for next season and breaking down the positional rooms. Now, certainly as we know as of today – South Carolina, including Reno, and let's just, for the sake of conversation, move Rattler out of the room. I would just assume that he's going to the NFL. You have five quarterbacks in that room next season, but obviously there's a possibility, and that includes Reno, there's obviously a possibility of a player or two deciding to transfer out or USC bringing in someone from the portal. So I say that because for the sake of these conversations, for the sake of the exercises that we're, do that we're doing on Gamecock Central, some of that stuff will change throughout the offseason, right? So I just want to throw that out there. As far the as the portal is now too, Mike, right? Like it's yeah. very much like guys are in and out of it left and right. So it's going to change. These are early predictions. Don't rely on these yeah. all offseason. It's bound to change. We're, we're you know. So, it's, so it's, scratching, but scratching the surface yeah. here. And I actually do want to bring this up. This will actually help some people out. You can head on over to Gamecock Central if you want a deeper look at it, but th these are all the players that are on scholarship for next season. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to share this screen and it has the years. That's why it's labeled left to right. It's not a depth chart. It's not a depth chart, but I just want to make sure that people understand why it's labeled the way that it is. But you can head on over to Gamecock Central and you can see this and I'll make this just a little bit bigger depending on what you're watching it on. But as you can see, Nick Gargiulo still has an opportunity to come back next season if he wants. That's why you see the three stars next to his name, Wanamaker, Moore. So there's a lot of players that are in this ballpark that will have some decisions to make. Because when we talk about that COVID year, right, in 2020, there's still a lot of players that are having the ability to take advantage of that. On top of that, and we'll use Gargiulo for an example here, you have the COVID season, but you also have players who either redshirted or they may have redshirted and had a medical redshirt. So we're going to be in this limbo for the next, I'd say, three years, and then we're going to finally be able to get out of it as far as that COVID season goes. So that's why you're seeing so much congestion up in that senior bracket when you're looking across the board. But after that, and you keep going across, and again, reminder, these are scholarship players. We're strictly just looking at the offensive line positions here. Vershawn Lee, he's another player that's going to be making decisions, right? Jalen Nichols, what does he want to do after missing all of this season, after having a knee injury in the spring game? And you just keep going down the line. And there are players here, Marquis Anderson being one, 
This is the redshirt column. These are true freshmen. These are guys who are going to be sophomores next season. So I bring this up because when you look at it from a depth standpoint, the talent is certainly building up in that offensive line room. And some of it, as we saw from this past season, they had the opportunity to play in a lot of games this season. Now, again, perfect world. Would you have loved to have seen guys like Hayson Hebring play the whole season? Would you have loved to have seen guys like um, um, Jalen Nichols play for the whole season? Absolutely. That There's no question about that because certainly that played a big reason why, a big role as to why South Carolina struggled when they did on the offensive side of the ball. But I bring those things up, Joe, because to me, at least on paper, you have depth, and it's not just depth. You have proven depth now in certain areas. Now, does that mean this offensive line is going to come out there and they're going to be one of the greatest offensive lines in college football history next season? No, no, no. No one's saying that because, as we know, it's not just about having five talented offensive linemen. It's about who can be a good unit together, right? And that's something that USC struggled with throughout the season because of the injuries. Yeah, cohesion's a big thing. And obviously, you were kind of handcuffed with how many guys left last season. You had had guys that had been on your offensive line since they were, you know, sophomores. Jovan Gwynn, Eric Douglas, those kind of guys were, you know, really tight knit cohesion. It's what you kind of saw towards the end of the must or the start of the Mustang era and into the yeah. Boomer era. Um, so you're trying to build that cohesion, right? You want guys to play with each other for longer than a year. Um, and with today's day and age with the portal and stuff, like it's kind of hard to do. Um, but offensive linemen, when they get to a school and they know that they're playing, they want to stay there, right? I think that's why it's so hard um, to, you know, build a program with like a, a new coach. What's always struggling when a when a coach takes hold of a new job? It's the offensive and defensive line because guys, when they're starting, they want to play with the same guys and work with the same units. So um, I, I think in the offensive line department, if you can return – um, you know, a, a Nick Gargiulo and, and just as many guys as possible, really. Like, that's that's what you want in terms of the offensive line. Yeah, no question about that. So, again, this is just to hit the hit on the offensive line a little bit and where yeah. South Carolina stands. But I think, again, if you guys want to take a deeper look on this, head on over to Gamecock Central. You'll be able to find yep. the roster breakdown. And this gives you a full breakdown on the scholarships. And the real cool thing about this, and shout out to Wes and Chris and Brian Shoemaker, because it goes back years. You can see every transaction here, right? Yep. I mean, this goes back for years. So when a player comes in, they're added medically, whatever, they're added to the list. So that's why, and I don't want to give people a popsicle headache as I keep scrolling through this thing, but that's why you'll see if you go up to running back, that's why you don't see Mario Williams, or Mario Anderson, excuse me, Mario Anderson on the list right now because he had walked on senior night. But that doesn't mean he won't be back. So this thing will get updated throughout the offseason as South Carolina figures out who's back and who's not. And as you can see right now, based on this this breakdown that we have, which does not include Mario Anderson and some other players who walked, that does not mean they won't be back next season. But based on this model. South Carolina is still too over the scholarship limit of 85. So, again, we mentioned about I, – I, I talked about the quarterback room, which we'll get into just a little bit. There's going to be other positions, too, that South Carolina is going to be looking at. And I'm not saying that – this is how it goes. This is how it, it, it goes down, okay? Any college that – any coach that I played for, any coaches that I've talked to at other schools, how it typically goes down is this. At the end of the year, you have your end-of-the-year meeting, and it typically is with your positional coach, and they kind of tell you the good, the bad, right, everything that you need to work on in the offseason. But on top of that, on top of that, there are areas, too, where coaches are kind of encouraging players to hit the portal. And what they'll tell them is, and this goes all the way down to friggin' Division two scholarships. I mean, this happens. You just are candid as a coach with a player, and you're basically saying, hey, look, we appreciate everything you're doing here. If you come back next season, you're going to have your scholarship, but we can't promise you this much playing time. We have some really talented guys coming in. I'll make this up. At linebacker, right, you only play this many snaps based on where things are headed. we got this young guy that played more than you. You know, if you want to come back, that's great, but we can't promise you that same playing time. So, and there's obviously other cases we saw in Colorado, right, with Dion and, and basically saying, hey, Thank you for your service, because they can always do that, too. But I bring those things up because it's just a reminder to folks 
who want to see South Carolina bring in more people from the portal, which I get, but you also under, have to understand how many scholarships they currently are using. And things are a little yeah. wonky, and things are a little wonky still because of the whole COVID thing. But we're getting back to things being some I say normal, somewhat yeah. back to normal. So that's why, again, I wanted to throw that number out there. Uh, we have uh, Rakeem has a question though, Joe, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah, yeah. Rakeem asks, would it be smart for us to attack the portal now rather than later when there may be more quality players available? I don't know if we have the luxury to wait. Um, I, I mean, I, I guess I can take offer quick thoughts on this. I mean. Your, your whole goal is to just, you know, see what your big board looks like within that first week, right? You're reaching out to guys, seeing what, you know, guys want, who's transferring, whatnot, um, and going from there. Um, but you you kind of know what you're looking for, and then you just look at that position. You're always starting early because, I mean, especially now, if you don't start early, you're going to get bypassed and you're going to be left with nothing at the end of it. So that screen that I just shared with everybody, see that? South Carolina has a board that is very similar to this, very similar to this. They have like a whiteboard. And the reason I know this is because practically every college does something like this, especially now when you're talking about the transfer portal and they have an idea of who's going to be back or who's expected to be back as well as the number of scholarships they have and the breakdown at certain positions. So I bring that up because they already have an idea and obviously, from a fan standpoint, from a media standpoint, we could sit here and say, okay, we already know what certain positions they're going to need some extra depth at. But they've already had an idea of which positions they could get some help at from the transfer portal. Now, having said all that, naturally, naturally, doesn't matter what the position is. If you feel like you can bring someone in right away to help out with your team, you're going to do that. We've seen that at certain positions, right? If they feel like they can bring someone in and I'll talk about the quarterbacks in a little bit, and I'm going to probably piss people off when I say this, but I'm just using it as an example. If they feel like they can bring someone in that's a proven quarterback to play right away here, they're going to do that. You're going to do that at any position, right? So I say that because that is what that, that's the world that we live in right now. That's the world that we live in when you're talking about college football. You need to win now, right? Need to win now. The seat will continue to get warmer for coaches. Certainly the honeymoon phase has been over for Shane Beamer. He understands that. And he knows now more than ever that he he has to get this program headed in the back in the right direction next season from a win-loss standpoint after what they did this season. Certainly there's other things that go into that when you're talking about building building a program, culture, all that, right? But at the same time, too, and he'll be the first to admit it, you're judged by how many games you win. And unfortunately, this season, they took a step back in that column. So next season, what do you have to do? You have to you have to do everything you can to not only go forward, but to show progress as well in other areas. But certainly from a win-loss standpoint. Jay yeah, Diz, yeah. what does Jay Diz have, Joe? Jay Diz asks, what, what grade would y'all give this season? I think it's a D. All three phases failed at some point this year. Mike, you want to go first? Do you have something in mind? If you don't, I can. I'll, I'll you go. Ahead. You can go ahead because I really haven't. Put, I haven't put too much stock into this one yet. Yeah, I mean, and this is kind of an off the rip. I really haven't like thinking thought about a specific letter grade. Um, but realistically, I'd give it like a C plus with all the all of the injuries. You didn't win as many games as you wanted to, but I mean, you had so many injuries, so you kind of you made you made do with what you had. Um, I think, you know, a C plus, it's a little bit of a disappointment when you know that there was the potential to have an A plus year. Um, but yeah, I mean, C plus better than average considering what you had and all of the injuries on the offensive line and knowing what you had going into it. Juice Wells not being there for you, um, you know, definitely hurts. And like again, injuries, 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 drop this thing down to a C. Made do with what you got. Yeah, I'd probably go C minus. And the reason why I go C minus, as you alluded to before, the injuries piled up in certain areas and they were able to overcome some of that. You saw improvements from the defense over the last three weeks. I think to me that really stands out because shoot, you don't have that type of performance from the defense those final three weeks. Never mind the fact that you get run off the field against Clemson if you can't do with some of the things they did the other night, but you're also probably losing that game against Kentucky as well. So I bring those things up because Again, that's not to to take away from 
the ugly because there's plenty of it this season, but just looking at it as a whole, I would say C minus. All right, want to talk about the quarterback room for a minute, and we will uh, let, let's see what this actually is. T Love says, "Will you please acknowledge the elephant in the room? We lost a lot of talented players in NIL. No, no, no question. And I've said this before. I've said this before, T Love. It's real easy. I'm not saying that you said this, but I we saw this a lot last season." When Marshawn Lloyd left, when Jordan Birch left, and you can just keep going down the list of the players who left, naturally, and again, this isn't every game, Cock, but we saw a lot of this. Naturally, when these players left, it was, oh, well, look what they did here. Oh, they... We don't need them anyway. Well, as you could go back and see from this season, it would have been beneficial to have some of those players still here. Now, having said that, there's no question that if USC at the time, at the time, were in a better standing when it came to NIL, they may have been able to retain an extra player or two. But on top of that, and what people need to remember, on top of that, you had players, some, some of them just didn't want to be here anymore. So while we can sit here and say NIL played a role, there's no question it played a role with some of these players leaving. No question. But at the same time, too, there were some players that did not want to be here anymore. Some of those guys were not recruited by Shane Beamer. And that's not a slight against Shane. But their commitment to him isn't the same as it was commitment to the previous coach, Will Muschamp. And I think there was a lot of good things that we saw certain players do here in those time periods when they were here. Right? You look at a guy like Marshawn Lloyd. And Lloyd was able to do a lot of good things when he was healthy. And that was always his knock. Can he stay healthy enough? Can he stay on the field enough? Yeah, it would have been great to have him out there this season. No question. You imagine a running back room with him. And then also having a guy like Mario Anderson. My goodness. That have been a lot of fun. But it didn't happen. So I think more than anything from this past year, you look at what they lost. And I don't want to say they were naive because I don't think that was the case from this coaching staff. I just I think there were certain things that they just knew they weren't going to be able to compete in because it was out of their control. They can't control NIL. They can go out there and promote it. Now, speaking about NIL, let's talk about it because people might not be aware of this today. And I'll bring this graphic up because I think it's great timing. Big announcement today from South Carolina, or I should say the Garnet Trust involving South Carolina. Garnet Trust has landed a million-dollar match gift. Now, what that means is this. Between now and December 20th, and I'll share the tab. Between now and September tw- uh, December 20th, I'm losing the dates here. I'm, I mean, this is football season. It's already passed by. You're losing the dates. Between now and December 20th, for every dollar, for every dollar that is donated, between now and the December 20th date, every dollar will be matched up to a million dollars thanks to an anonymous donor. So I say that because if anyone, anyone has had any issues complaining about NIL and this and that, and, oh, we're not going to be able to be competitive, like my dollar won't make a difference, your dollar has a chance to make a huge difference. And what I can tell you right now, I think Jeremy from Garnet Trust, Jeremy Smith just put this out there, the amount of donations that have been coming in since this announcement today at 430. They they are going to, they are very well on their way to hitting their $2 million mark and then going over that. Because again, dollar for dollar match. So if they get a million dollars, that turns into two million. But if they go over that, that's the cherry on top. So I bring these things up, Joe, because I would love to sit here and say I understand the frustration when your team doesn't do well and how you want to probably, and again, I'm not saying this for everybody, but this is probably a lot of people that think this way. And you're probably like, oh, I'm not going to start donating to NIL until they start winning. I understand why you would say that. Unfortunately, that's not how this works. It's just not how it works. And for South Carolina, more than ever, as we saw from this past year, they have a couple holes that they need to fill, that they needed to fill. But heading into this season in 2024, there's a couple holes that they'll need to continue to fill 
And how do you do that? Well, certainly being able to develop players within your program, but because they're so young in certain spots, I don't think you can bank on that. I don't think you can bank on that if you want to see progress for next year. And that's not to say you're going to be able to go into the portal and bring in a Juice Wells and a Spencer Rattler every year. Okay? But at the same time, too, you go out there, you have some more money from an NIL standpoint. Man, it's still current good to have you on here. You have that extra money in that uh, in that collective for you, and you believe, and you still believe in these coaches from a recruiting standpoint. Think about how dangerous that can be in a good way from a recruiting standpoint to be able to pick up some of those additional pieces that you could have desperately, desperately used this year. Yeah, absolutely. I think the transfer portal and NIL go hand in hand as well. Um, you're going to need very good NIL opportunities to lure guys in from the transfer portal. Obviously, the the more experienced guys, if they have a chance to come in and make an impact right away, they're going to want a little bit more NIL money. This is a really, really good opportunity. Um, really good thing that Garner Trust is doing in the anonymous donor matching as well. Um, so big opportunity for you to make a difference, even in the slightest way. Um, get that total all the way up to a million. Um, so, Jay, so Jay Diz says this, and Jay Diz, I'm glad you bring these things up because you're probably not the only person that feels this way. And I'll have my thoughts on it, and Joe, you can weigh in too. JJ says NIL is so badly set up. Xavier Leggett had at least three guys making more than him in the wide receiver room. Mario made next to nothing, and DK made 100000 This is going to ruin football. I'll say this. I know a couple things about some of the players you mentioned. Mario Anderson, yeah, he didn't get paid nearly anything. But I've been told he's had conversations with some of the collectives and they've talked to him about, hey, come back next season. We'll take care of you. You'll be in good shape. You know, sorry we didn't get get you as much money as maybe you probably should have earned. And what I was told, and this will probably excite Gamecock fans more than anything, what Mario said back to that, according to my source, I didn't deserve that. I needed to earn it. And I felt like I earned it this year. So to me, what that says and what that shows me is that that kid gets it. He gets it. And I also bring that up to point out that there's going to be players, right? There's always going to be players out there. I'm not specifically talking about South Carolina, but obviously you'd be naive to believe that's not just South Carolina. It's any player out there, or it could happen to any player out there, that they look at things and they hold a grudge from the previous year. doesn't sound like that's going to be the case with Mario. Mario comes back next season. It sounds like he's going to be in good shape from an NIL standpoint here through the Garnet Trust. There could be some others out there too that want to help him out. But I bring that up because Mario, yeah, he didn't. But, again, he's a type of, type of player that had to come in here and he wanted to prove himself, and he did. As far as Xavier Leggett, yeah, you know what? Xavier Leggett, maybe he didn't make some of the money in comparison to some of the other receivers in that room. But as talented as he is, and Jay Diz, I'm sure you would agree with me on this, no one, no one could have predicted XL having the type of season he did. And obviously some of that has to do with the unfortunate injury that Juice Wells had, right? And there's no question that the way that he kept performing this season led to more opportunities to be able to gain some NIL that he really, really, truly deserved. You go back to last season, the big touchdown reception he had. Uh, I'm trying to think which one. The, the, he had a huge reception in the Gator Bowl, Joe. He had the kickoff return, of course, against... Texas A&M, I'm missing the touchdown one that I'm thinking. I don't know if it was against Vandy last year, but my point being is XL obviously continued to get better and better last year. It rolled over into this season, and his opportunities, yeah, maybe the NIL money wasn't there based on what he probably deserved, but at the same time, too, at the same time, too, he's been able to raise his draft stock up, and he's going to have an opportunity now to be able to make a lot of money. Craig brings up, you never mentioned Carolina Rise. That's just as important. Doesn't matter who you give it to. Blah 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 blah. Craig, I get what you're saying. We Garnet Trust works with Gamecock Central, and I have nothing against Carolina uh, Carolina Rise. And I think J.C. Sherbert and the guys over there are doing a tremendous job. Having said all of that, I don't know all the same information about their collective. Which I'm not saying there's anything negative about it. I just I'm a more I'm more up to speed and up to date on all the things at Garnet Trust. That's why we're talking about Garnet Trust today. Garnet Trust is set up 
a match dollar for dollar for the next, what is it, three weeks leading up to signing day. That's why it's December 20th. So if you donate a dollar up to $1 million now, right, we'll be matched by an anonymous donor. That's why we're talking so much about Garnet Trust. But I think you're spot on. Yeah, Carolina Rise, all these other uh, collectives out there that are trying to help South Carolina. Yeah, at the end of the day, the money's all going back to the players. There's no question. Regardless of it, it's all a good thing. But that's the reason why I brought that up. JC, I, I love JC. JC's yep. been very good to me. I got nothing bad to friends, say. I have friends who are with Rise, know a couple of the baseball guys who are signed with them, and I've heard and I've heard nothing but good things. But that's so, why but, but Craig, or, that's why yeah. that's why I bring up Garnet Trust so much more, simply because there's a lot that either I've done personally, right? I've done some of those commercials with Steel Hands through the Garnet Trust. And also Gamecock Central has worked directly with Garnet Trust. So there's been a lot more that I've learned about Garnet Trust because of that. But I have nothing bad to say about any other collectives that's trying to do what everyone would like to see South Carolina be able to do, and that's be able to raise money for these student athletes, regardless of what the collective is, who the collective is, and all that. All right. Want to get into this. Want to get into this real quick about the quarterbacks because we're going to wrap up the show in a little bit. I'm actually uh, heading over to a youth football practice tonight. Columbia Knights. They are getting ready for a big, big uh, showdown. I believe it's somewhere in Florida, but they're going to be playing for a national championship. So wishing the boys good luck heading on over there. Appreciate the invite. Going to freeze my butt off tonight. Oh, no, Craig. And I, I'm not saying that, that that's what you were yeah. doing. I'm just explaining because I'm sure you're not the only person that feels that way. But I was just explaining why um, we talk so much more about Garnet Trust. So all good. All good. Carolina Garnet Rise, Garnet, Garnet Trust. At the end of the day, all the money's going to the student athletes. That's what's that's what matters the most. Yeah. Want to talk about the quarterback situation, then we'll wrap things up because next week I want to dig deeper into other positions, but because I wrote this on Gamecock Central today. I want to bring it up. On top of that, next week, I feel like we'll start to see some players enter the portal for South Carolina. There'll be some other players out there that we can get into more about who USC is targeting, who should they target, and all that other fun stuff to talk about. Having said all that, quarterback rooms for South Carolina. Again, this is under the assumption that Spencer Rattler will not be back next season. If he does come back, then obviously a lot of the things that I'm going to say, it changes things up a lot. But based on this exercise, for the sake of this conversation, we're going to have Rattler not being back next season. Okay, this is what you got next year, Joe. Luke Doty, as of right now, Luke Doty, Colton Gothier, Tanner Bailey, Lenore Sellers, and then Dante Reno. Doty, and the reason why we keep talking about him when you look at that quarterback room, based on those five, Doty has the most experience. He's started six games at quarterback. He's thrown for over 1,500 yards, nine touchdowns, eight interceptions. He hasn't started in a game, though, since 2021. The second most experience, and there's a big drop-off, is Lenore Sellers. He's appeared in three games as a true freshman. But the number of reps he's got, right, four for four on his pass attempts this season, 86 yards, two touchdowns, also had 51 yards on five carries, including a 36-yard rushing touchdown. We've talked about this before, and I've said this before, and I put this down. You can read more about it on Gamecock Central. I have Sellers, as of today, being my week one starter for my prediction, right, for the 2024 season. But I do believe. If Luke Doty is back next season and he wants to have a shot at the starting job at quarterback, I think they're going to give him that opportunity. I think they're going to give him that opportunity. Now, if things don't work out and Sellers is your starter, I still think Doty will be your number two guy, kind of like what we saw this season, simply because you don't have a lot of proven depth in that room. I mean, you really have nothing in that room from a proven depth standpoint. Mentioned Tanner Bailey and Gothier. I'll say this, and I also threw this out there on the story. Gothier is set to graduate this December. He'll be doing that in just three years. I mean, how crazy is that? I mean, just goes to show you how smart the kid is and how much he's hit the books. 
on top of being a student athlete. He's a hell of a student, just a hell of a person, too. Comes from a really good family. But I bring that up because Gothier has two years of eligibility remaining. Tanner Bailey, and it's going to be interesting with Bailey. And the reason I say that is you have sellers that came in here, and sellers leapfrogged you on the depth chart as well as Gothier. Does Bailey want to stick it out? Because if he doesn't, I wouldn't blame the kid. Would you blame him? I wouldn't blame him. If he thinks there's a better opportunity to go elsewhere, I wouldn't blame the kid. So I'm not going to be shocked to see at least one of those guys leave. If we saw both, I wouldn't be surprised. Having said all that, having said all that, whether Bailey's back, whether Gothier's back, right? I still think you're going to have to go out there, but especially if one of those two guys leave, if not both, you're going to have to go out into the portal and bring in a talented quarterback just to be able to add more competition in that room, just to be able to add more depth in that room. Now, no question, no one wants to come in to be a backup quarterback at South Carolina if they've been a proven starter somewhere else, especially if you're a Power 5 guy. I get that. So, you know, who you bring in, I don't know. I don't have that answer for you. But I do think you need to find someone to add that depth, even if Sellers is your number one guy. Even if Sellers is your number one guy, because like we talked about, 2021, just one play away, just two plays away from having to go to your grad student quarterback. So there's going to have to be some things that South Carolina does from a transfer portal standpoint, Joe. But to me, to me, I, I think you can't rule out quarterback simply because you don't have any depth in that room, really, from a proven standpoint. And even if Sellers is your number one guy, who do you feel comfortable with as your number two? Doty, yes, okay, but if Doty's playing wide receiver, do you want to get into this back-and-forth game? You need to be able to have some more depth in that quarterback room, in my opinion. There is a decision to be made about Luke Doty, whether or not he wants to play wide receiver or be the backup, I think, you know, because you're going to need something, something consistently for depth. Um, I have also, Jay Diz, I've also heard this. Bailey has, like, a really good arm. I've, I've also yeah, heard he was this, a four-star, so. four-star yeah. coming out of high school. I think, and I mean, and I'll, and I, and I wrote this, Joe. I do, based on my early predictions, I do think that Doty will be the number two quarterback, but I can see Reno really pushing to be the number two guy. So yeah. saying that, that is having me, you know, I'm, I'm putting the belief out there that he's going to leapfrog Tanner if Tanner's still here. And the reason why I say that is because I just think there's a lot of upside with Reno. I really do. That's not to say that Bailey is not a good quarterback. That's not to say Bailey can't be a successful quarterback. That's not to say that he can't be a successful quarterback in South Carolina. The unfortunate reality is we just haven't had a chance to really see it. And when I say see it, sometimes it's also being able to hear about it. We really didn't hear much about him this year. We heard a lot about sellers throughout the spring into the summer. And then once we got into the season, of course, we had a chance to see sellers but we didn't hear that much about Bailey. That's why I'm bringing these things up. Yeah, it'll be interesting, certainly. Um, you know, I would assume Sellers would be the guy, but it, it'll be a battle for one and two and three. I mean, the whole depth chart. I mean, you'll get Reno in here in January in time for spring, yep. spring football. They'll have college figured out, all that. So, uh, yeah, it'll it'll certainly be a battle with – I mean, Sellers leading the way, as you would think. Because like I said, Bailey, he's beating up on the twos. He deserves a shot with the ones. And Jay so, Diz brings it up. I mean, Bailey might look at it as, hey, you know what? Yeah, Sellers beat me out for the number two gig last year. We could say, really, it was the three, but we saw Sellers get in there. Whatever way you want to look at it, right? Because Doty was still listed as the backup quarterback on the depth charts each week. But he might look at that and say, you know what? I feel like there's certain things in my game that, I can get better at. And again, this is all under the assumption. If you're just joining us, this is assuming that Rattler won't be back next season that he might look at and say, I'm going to have more opportunities. Why not? Why not? And Bailey could go out there and he could really surprise a lot of people, surprise a lot of people. I'm not saying, you know, Bailey be a week one starter, but in his mind, he might think that he might come out there and just have an unbelievable spring. And if he has an unbelievable spring again, that's if he was, were to stay, then he might he might be a guy that you know heading into next fall we're talking about hey you know there's some competition at quarterback and to me regardless of how high you feel on sellers when you have young quarterbacks when you have young quarterbacks you need to have competition now it's not true apples to apples 
It's not true apples to apples, but I keep bringing up different different years, right? Talk about 2021, talking about the injuries and how you need more depth at quarterback because you're only one play away. Think back to 2020. Think back to 2020. What happened that year? What happened that year? Well, you had Ryan Holinsky the year prior getting opportunities to go out there and, and, and start right away because of an injury to Jake Bentley. But then what happens? Holinsky was thrown right into the mix, and he was your starter essentially for the entire season after that. So heading into spring now, Holinsky, in his mind, he's like, well, I'm going to be the starter this year. And things started to, you know, the competition wasn't the same in that room. Once you know you're the starter when you're young, and I'm not saying this for every guy, and I'm not saying sellers would have issues with it, but I always like to have competition when you have young guys in that room in particular. Having competition in that would really push them, really push them. Yeah, Tommy, I'm working on the hoodies too. I'm working on a link for all of it, by the way. Just quick update on that. Mike, do you want to quickly hit some ads and then we'll get some final thoughts before we get out of here? Yeah, and T-Love, I'll get into your comment too on the quarterback situation. Yeah, absolutely. We got a, yeah, a couple more. We'll hit a couple more comments during uh, um, the last couple minutes after the ads. But first, as always, our good friends over at Liberty Tax. Tax ID is an uncertain feeling you get right before doing your taxes, but you don't have to go through it alone. The tax team at Liberty Tax in Irmo, Lexington, and Columbia will walk you through the process, clear up any confusion, and guarantee you'll get the biggest possible refund or your money back. It's tax time if you're in a hurry for your refund. Call on the tax team at Liberty Tax. They're fast, accurate, and guaranteed. On the other hand, if you think you might be owing Uncle Sam, talk to Liberty Tax team to make sure you're not paying more than you should owe. They'll find every possible deduction for you. Locally owned and operated, staffed by tax professionals from your neighborhood. Open 9 to 9 on weekdays and 9 to 5 on Saturdays with multiple service options. Start through Liberty Tax mobile app or through the desktop portal. Make an appointment or just walk in. Give a call to upload your tax documents. And when you come in, your return will be ready to review and sign. Give them a call on your screen right now. And for those listening, 803-462-5576. Once again, 803-462-5576 for all of your tax needs. And today's show is also brought to you by our good friend Clint Hammond of Movement Mortgage. You see that logo right above us. He's been a longtime supporter of not just Gamecock Central, but all of these GC Live shows that you see daily here throughout the week on Gamecock Central. If you're in the process of purchasing a home, you're trying to find the lowest rate on the market. You know, that could be pretty difficult right now, especially over the last, what, 12, 18 months. Clinton and his team do an outstanding job of being able to help you out with that, same way he did for our very own Wes Mitchell, as well as former Gamecock quarterback Perry Orth. Give Clint a call. He'll be able to help you out and find that home of your dreams. 803-771-6933. So to go back and answer that question from T-Love, can you describe Reno's skill set compared to Sellers and Doty? The thing with Reno... And certainly he doesn't have the same speed as sellers. And there's certain things too that I want to see at this level before I start going, you know, absolutely crazy. That's why, as I mentioned before, and you can read more about it on Gamecock Central in that early breakdown for the 2024 quarterback room. The reason why I feel like he'd still be the number three guy, even if he does some good things, he hasn't even stepped on on campus yet. So he has to earn the trust of this coaching staff before we start anointing him as someone that can make a push to potentially push Lenoris for that starting spot. Again, that's assuming if they don't bring someone else in, which I hope they do to create more competition in that room. Having said all of that, Reno's the type of guy that I don't want to say he's like your traditional pocket passer because I feel like he has an element to his game where he can get outside of the pocket but he has a friggin' cannon. He has a freaking mm-hmm. cannon for, for an arm. He's very smart when it comes to being able to identify defenses. He can really uh, tear apart zone coverages, you know, because because the, just the knowledge and the way that he is able to look at a defense and memorizes it, he'll know exactly where he needs to go with the ball from a zone standpoint. I think the big question now is how up to speed can he get with a playbook that's going to be more complex? Right, And that's not to say that this playbook is as complex as what Marcus Satterfield's offense was, because I think that was more wordy, more verbiage, hell of a lot more plays. I can tell you that from talking to former players. But I think that's the biggest asset that he has. Now, he's coming in, 
And Sellers has the leg up because he's already been here for a year. He already has all that knowledge. So to me, the fact that Sellers will know that that's the strong point for Reno, I think that's what's going to push him to continue to get better with that. That's not to say that Sellers isn't smart when it comes to being able to recognize those things that we talked about from Reno's standpoint. But my point being is we talk about the, the strengths of each player. There's no question that Sellers is a hell of a lot more athletic than Reno, but Reno has to do different things to be able to help his game out because he knows he's not the type of guy that's going to take off and you know be like Mike Vick out there, the way that Sellers is able to run with the football. Yeah, absolutely. I would... You know, Mike. Mike's scouting report of Dante was pretty darn accurate. I mean, he throws the ball all over the yard, can't escape the pocket, and use his legs if need be. But I mean, the main feature with Dante is the ability to throw the ball, manage the game. Um, so he'll be a very good addition to this quarterback room. A guy with a big arm is always a fun addition, especially when he's a freshman, because if he can sling it out there and practice, it'll certainly elevate the level of competition. And like Mike said, when you know you have a quarterback room and one that's particularly younger, you want that competition element. You want as many guys that are going to challenge each other as possible. Reno will certainly do that when he gets here. And you know, I'm happy he's enrolling early. And like I said, I, I, I'm disappointed it's that massive. South Carolina didn't make a bowl. Yeah, because, you know, it would have given Reno some practices. But, again, he'll be here for the spring. So the competition will be there. And um, you might – yeah, sure, you might go into the portal, but the core guys that are going to be competing for this job next year, Mike, are going to be there from day one, right? The quarterback competition starts in spring ball. And then depending on who goes in and out, but the core group of guys that are going to be competing for this job are going to be there from the jump. So your quarterback competition starts in spring ball. Well, what I like about Reno, and we'll we'll add this, we'll wrap things up. What I like about Reno is he's coming in here with the mindset that he wants that he's going to be the starter next year. Now, I've always said this because even going back to when I was in college, I think a lot of us as freshmen, when we go to college, we're a little naive. When we get to college, we just assume like, all right, hey, you know, this is how it's going to be. I've played this well, and then you get to college, regardless of the level, and you realize, oh, okay, things are a little bit different. Having said all that. Having said all that, there are guys that are able to come in right away and they're able to make some serious noise. And it might not even necessarily be as a starter. It might be someone that's pushing the number one to be better. And when I think about hearing some of that stuff with Reno, because he's a great teammate, but he's going to come in here really push sellers. It reminds me a lot of the relationship that Garcia and Connor Shaw had. Because when I talk, when I have had conversations with people that were around those two during those days, they did not like each other. They did not love each other when they were on the field, when they were in the meeting rooms together. Now, when the other person was out there, yeah, they wanted to see the other one do well, but they wanted to be the guy. They wanted to be the guy. And I feel like if you're going to be a quarterback, you have to have that edge to you. You have to have that edge. You want to be able to help out your other quarterbacks in the room and you want to be the best and all that. That's great. That's great. Be a great teammate. No one's trying to say to go out there and just be an absolute, you know, clown of a teammate and be a jerk. But there's something to be said about quarterbacks who look at it that way and they really are able to get the best out of each other. I mean, we can look at numerous, numerous situations out there over the years, especially when you're looking in the SEC and you can identify certain places that have had a lot of success with the relationship, that dynamic being very similar to what I'm talking about. So, We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, absolutely. Don't really have anything else on the QB situation. Again, I I think it'll be interesting, certainly, with Dante involved. Um, Again, uh, Sellers is the favorite, but we'll see. I mean, it's it's certainly going to be a buzz. It'll be some fun stuff for us to talk about in the offseason, for sure. Yeah, and again, as we continue to take a deeper dive into next next season's team, the 2024 squad – we will have some areas that will become clearer, right? We talk about this show next week. There could be a player or two, and I'm not saying Mike's saying, okay, someone's entering the portal, you know, this next week, but there could be a guy that enters the portal before we hop on to do next week's show. So, you know, things could become a little bit clearer in certain positions as we do a deeper dive this offseason on a breaking on breaking down the 2024 squad in different positional rooms. If you missed any of our show, head on over to the Gamecock Central YouTube page where you can watch this show in its entirety, or if you're a podcast listener, head on over to the Gamecock Central Podcast Network where you can find this show as well as other 
Gamecock Central shows, including the ones that you hear on 107.5 The Game during the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, as well as the Garnet Trust Hour as well. Today on 107.5 The Game, Wes and Chris and Tyler had an opportunity to talk with Jalen Kilgore. So if you want to listen to that, head on over to the Gamecock Central Podcast Network and you'll be able to find that episode as well. He's intern Joe. I'm Mike You Appreciate everyone that tuned in today. Just a reminder, if you joined us late, we will be doing these shows all off-season at 6 o'clock. That is the new off-season schedule time, 6 o'clock, so that you guys can head on over to CLA, or if you're on your couch, want to watch the men's or women's basketball game, it will help you guys out be able to do that, uh, especially with both teams off to a hot start. Not going to say what those records are. are. Knock on wood. I know what I'm doing. No reporter jinx over here. Everyone have yourself a good Tuesday night. Enjoy the rest of your week. And we will see you next Tuesday on GC Live. Talking Tuesday nights. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com on3 and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 533-42 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York.